Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. time in Genesis 2 for this particular sermon, uh, but we're going we're gonna to do a mini sermon before we even get started in that sermon, but Genesis 2.15, God has created Adam, and he's put Adam in the garden, and he says, then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. He created man, that before Eve was even born, created, he took Eve, or he took Adam and put him in the garden and said, here's your garden, go and tend it. And so Barry Fuller and I, he decided I need to see that uh, lake up on top of the mountain. I've never been up there. And so Barry takes me up into the mountain. And if you don't know Barry Fuller, there is not a person on this planet that Barry doesn't know. I mean, he constantly walks around shaking hands. Hi, how are you doing? You doing okay? Referring to things. I mean, just constantly talking to people. We were looking for two lakes and we couldn't find them. And we drove too far, finally came back. And Barry says, hold on, I'm going to go ask these people where the lakes are. He gets out of his truck, walks off into their camp. I can't see him anymore. Comes back with people. And not only does he find out what happens to the lakes, he found out who was responsible for it. So, you know, he's just making friends everywhere. And we finally find our way up on top of the mountain. And there's a few people up there. But Barry, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, what, what, what about this? What about that? And he's, he's greeting everybody up there. So as he and I make our way around this lake, Barry says, you know, Les, that Genesis 2, 15 verse is the reason why I'm so friendly to people. That's our original commandment. That's where everything else comes from is that here's your garden, tend to it. And Barry said, these are all people in my garden. They've got their own gardens. I'm going to go tend to them and make sure that they're doing good, that they're doing okay. My garden may have a Greg Wendell in it. I may want to go and check on him every once in a while. And for Greg to be happy, I want to check on Tammy too. That's our garden, and the original commandment that God brought down to this earth was, here's a garden, go and tend to it. And so I thought that was very powerful. Thank you for sharing that with me, Barry, and thank you for being a good friend to everybody. But the originality of that verse started with Mike Curry, and he was one of the uh, white-haired guys you saw up there on the, uh, on, on the screen. He is an evangelist, an apostle. He starts churches all over Africa, and he had this really powerful message out of Genesis, and so I'd like to walk through that just a little bit this morning. And so Genesis 2.15, he pointed out that men have been fighting to get back to that verse since we lost it. You know, shortly after that, we all know the story, Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, Right? Our whole desire is to get back to that garden. Whatever you're facing in life, whatever somebody else is facing in life, realize they're just trying to get back to the garden. There's these things out here that have kind of tore up the garden, and we're trying to put it right. Have you ever had a Garden 215 moment in your life? Have you ever been in a place where God has set you and released you on purpose for purpose? You're out there working wherever you're at, whether it's in a mechanic's yard, the backyard, in the daycare, with your family, and you know, this is what God created me for, this moment right here. Treasure those moments, because when you go out in the wilderness, it's not the same. 
But going back to that 215 moment keeps you in a mindset that God put me in purpose there. He's going to do it again. And so just if you think about that throughout this week, be looking for those Genesis 215 moments where God has put you in a place to do something and you know that you've really come alive. Because going back to what Jake said about men coming alive, we've got to come alive. At some point, we've, we've been dulled, our senses have been dulled to this world around us. And sometimes we get dulled by the fact that we're supposed to fix things and we just can't. And so we just go by day by day living out a routine. But the truth of the matter is, the garden won't be rebuilt until God comes back. So cut yourself some slack. Work as hard as you want to. Cut yourself some slack. God's coming, and he's going to bring the fullness of that garden back to us. We'll pick up in verse uh, 16, Genesis 2, 16. The Lord commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Now remember that title, the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat, for in that day you will surely die. And we got to ask ourselves, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that if we take that bite, we're going to die? I mean, we have this story. We have other examples. But at some point in our lives, we, we, we become, my, my son's great at this. My son will ask me five million questions. Dad, can I? No. Dad, can I? No. Dad, he's a habitual line stepper. You know, the, you know those people? I'm going to get just as close as I can. And that's how we are as people. And there's nothing wrong with that in some of those situations. But what God says we need to know and we need to do. We can't be the habitual line steppers. People have tried it before and they failed horribly. That's the reason we're all living in this world instead of in the Garden of Eden. Back on track here. We go on to 17. Now we already did that. Let's do, uh, skip over to chapter 3. Chapter 3. Now, chapter 3, Eve has been created. Adam and Eve are in the garden. God's uh, hovering over, doing what God does. And all of a sudden, a snake comes along. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman. Now, this really struck a chord in me because when's the last time you've seen a snake I mean, we had one here in the church, not to scare you, earlier this week, and it just raised a panic. <laughs> because the seasons are changing. They're going to find a nice warm place to live out their lives. But that's the natural reaction. You see a snake, you're supposed to stomp on it. You see a snake, and it's in your garden. I don't want it biting my kids, so we crush its heads. We don't talk to it. But this is where Eve kind of went wrong. All of a sudden, she started talking to the snake. Now, we give Eve some points because she's naive. She's fresh, freshly created. She's never seen a snake before, probably. The only person she's had to talk to is Adam, and that maybe that was a little boring. I don't know. We're going to cut her some slack. But at some point, we've got to embrace, now that we know better, that we're not supposed to talk to snakes. It continues, Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, now pay attention to what she says there, from the middle of the garden, you shall not eat it or touch it. Now remember that. You shall not eat it or touch it or you will really die. Uh, verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die, for God knows that in that day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And then she also gave to her husband, Adam, who also ate. 
And so we're going to try to put this together. Anybody like those CSI shows? I mean, they got whole cable channels dedicated to solving the crime. Who did it? So we're going to try to Scooby-Doo some of this stuff, put it all together for you. What happened? Well, number one, she's talking to snakes. We cannot talk to snakes. If a snake comes up to you talking, number one, they shouldn't be talking. We know in this day and age, God cursed it to slither on the ground, but we're going to crush it. And so in this world, we got to realize that there's snakes in all kinds of weird places. We've got to stop handling snakes. We're not to pick them up. We're not to play with them. Now, granted, if you're walking along in the bush and you see something and you want to identify it to your kids, that's fine. But we're also identifying it to our kids and letting them know what it is. But in a moment of passion, when I'm out doing some work and a snake pulls up, I can't remember round head, sharp nose, or stripes and yellow and black, kill a fella. I can't remember all that. I can know that I can reach out and stomp that snake really quick. And so we got to remember in this world that we also got to know what God said. And that's the other part of that. Here's a snake talking, and he knows what God said. Realize he's quoted the Bible here. He also quoted it to Jesus when Jesus was in the wilderness. He, so we've got to be equally prepared to know what the Bible says. So going back to the testimony here, what did God say in this story? He said, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you will eat from it and you will surely die. Now Eve's recollection to the snake was, from the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit in the tree in the middle of the garden, we shall not eat it or touch it. Something went wrong there. I mean, God gave that tree a proper title. He said that tree has a name. Eve doesn't know the name of the tree. So maybe she didn't understand the importance of what that tree was. Adam had received those instructions. Eve never had a conversation with God. So at some point, Eve came into a realization of what that tree was called, and it had to come from Adam. So there's a, there's a commandment on us men, I think, to get the word of God right. It's going to matter. If you don't get the word of God right... We're out here in the wilderness. We got kicked out of the garden somehow. So there's a responsibility on us men to take that word and to make sure we relay it properly to the woman because all of a sudden she's over here saying, well, it's just a tree in the middle of the garden. And notice there's also an extra added commandment in there. God said, don't eat from it. Eve said, you shall not eat from it. You shall not touch it. How often do people add words to the Bible? You'd be walking along. I, there was a popular meme on Facebook a while back. It was a true red, white, and blue meme, a good old American meme. It was about the Pledge of Allegiance, and somebody claimed, well, they got blocked off Facebook for sharing the Pledge of Allegiance. And out of defiance of that, I'm going to repost this. I hope they don't block me or kick me off, whatever it is, put you in Facebook jail. And so I sat there and read out that Pledge of Allegiance it was missing something. There at the bottom, it was missing that part where it says, one nation under God. You better believe I'm not sharing that because that's not the Pledge of Allegiance. But that's how crafty they are. They catch you up with these little things just like Satan did to Eve. And before you know it, you're reposting half-truths. How much do we do with theology in the same way? Men love our theology. I'm not going to lie to you. I applied for the job of the head pastor's job here because I really like being up here and you people are very nice. But they started listing out these things about... Calvinism and something else I didn't know about because I, I didn't go to Bible college. And I, I got there and I started studying this stuff. And not that there's anything wrong with it. Those people have studied those things for a long time. But I started thinking, how much of this stuff 
have they taken and we've taken and altered in some way? We've taken and altered in some fashions. I mean, there's entire religions founded off part of Christianity. There's entire religions founded off sort of Jesus. In fact, the Muslim population, they recognize Jesus, they recognize Abraham, but at some point they stopped and said, we're not going to go any further, we're going to go on this divergent line. Be careful about the theology that you study. I was real thirsty to get to know God again in my early, uh, early 20s, and so I sat down, I started reading some books. I love Max Lucado, I love Chuck Swindle, I got into some other places, and I really wanted to know, is that promise really in the Bible? So I'd be reading through a Max Lucado book, and I'd say, that sounds really good. I want to know that. So I'd go back to the Bible. It's in the Bible. I'd take some of these other guys that are on late-night TV talking nonsense, and I'd compare the Scriptures. I'm like, this, where did you get that out of this book? How did you come to this conclusion? I was talking to a good friend of mine, and he had the same thing going on. He was trying to explain to me the ifs, hows, whans, and buts of how he got into this theory. And he told me it came from one verse. So I went and looked up that one verse. I'm like... Dude, that's a lot from this one verse. I mean, he had a whole 30-minute, hour-long sermon. I'm like, that, I don't see how you get that. And maybe that's something God revealed to him. I don't know. It's just something I can't adopt. And so I had to say, no, I'm not going to listen to that. Or no, I'm not going to believe that. God bless you and get on your way. This is what I'm going to believe. So be careful about what you hear from the Bible. <clears throat> Here's another reaction, not to let Eve off the hook. Why didn't she call out, hey, God, come get your creature. He's talking to me. Hey, God, come explain to this snake why we can't eat from that, apple, uh, from that tree. Why didn't she say, hey, Adam, hey, come talk to this snake for me? There are natural reactions that we get to have because God has put us on this earth to tend the garden. And if you see something that doesn't seem quite right in your garden, go and find out what God said and then address it. <clears throat> Too often in life, we're busy throwing stones before we get the whole truth. And I just want to repeat If you're a man, there is a responsibility. He was created first. God put him in the garden to tend the garden. He spoke to Adam. He did not speak to Eve right away. He spoke to Adam. In fact, when Adam and Eve went missing, which is hard for God to do, he can't miss anybody, but he went looking for Adam and Eve because all of a sudden there was some veil between them. He called out Adam's name. He went looking for Adam. There's a responsibility on us men to hear what God says and to do what God says because he's going to come calling on us one day. And it's a heavy responsibility. And most of us can walk in it just fine. But just make sure if he tells you something that you're following in that. And his words are powerful. What did he say? I mean, what he said... We could be living in the Garden of Eden right now, but because they didn't believe what he said, we're all all out here living in white deer panhandle and groom, and it's a beautiful sunset, but sometimes it gets very dry. I'd like a little more rain. Of course, I don't want the mosquitoes either, so was there mosquitoes? I don't know. But either way, make sure that you relay the Word of God properly, and make sure when somebody speaks it to you that you also know how to reply, because in that same scenario where the... Snake was talking to Eve, Jesus' response was a little bit different. When, when, when Satan came to him and started speaking to him, he relayed back the truth of what the Bible said. And all of a sudden, we now have a new definition of what grace is and to walk in the forgiveness of our sins. So it's a, it's a big difference. One of the other things they told us up there at the mountain was to live an uncommon life. It's kind of what Jake was talking about a while ago and Brandon, being uncommon. The ecclesia 
is the Greek word for the church. Now, in case you don't know what the ecclesia means, because we're all in Greek class today, it means the called out ones. We've been called out. Once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been called out. That means you've become uncommon. At what point do we start to walk into this? And I started to reference this last week. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, you better get some Christ on you. And it's going to look a little different because I'm here to tell you the days, the days, the news media, there's trouble on the wind. You can see we're still fighting wars in this place. More wars are starting to threaten up in this place. Over there, they've got a whole queen who's been alive for ages who has finally gone to the grave and her son's rising up. We've got our own political situation in the United States. I'd like to tell you we're going to walk out of here and things are going to start getting better, but they're not. Things are going to start getting into a whirlwind. And you're going to have to catch on to that in a different way because that's the responsibility on you. Because once you take up this mantle of being in the church, it kind of makes you a shepherd. At the same time, you're a sheep, but it also makes you a shepherd. When you see trouble on the horizon, you can lead people to safely. When you see people downtrodden and hurt, you can lead people into a better way. They pointed out the verse, Jeremiah 10, Jeremiah 10, 2. It says, thus saith the Lord... Do not learn the way of the heathen, and do not be terrified by the signs of the heaven, although the nations are terrified by them. For the customs of the peoples are delusion, because it is wood cut from a forest, the work of the hands of the craftsmen and a cutting tool. What Jeremiah is warning is the same thing we hear issued throughout the New Testament with Paul. Don't be like those other people. Be in the world, but not of the world. When you see trouble coming, Jesus said the same thing. When you see all these the nations in tumult, don't be afraid. And the reason you're not to be afraid is because you know Jesus is coming. You know things are coming up on the pages that allow you to see that Jesus is coming back. And that raises up a hope, but it also raises up a peace that I can move into this situation because I know it's going to be tumultuous. Panic and fear don't have to shrink my mind. I can move into this place of promise where God is going to take care of me, where he's my shepherd. Because realize in perilous times... The promises of God don't disappear. I mean, read through Revelations all you want to. Read through Jeremiah. Read through Isaiah. When trouble hits the earth, the promises of God do not disappear from those texts. So left behind, caught up, whatever you want to believe, realize the promises of God are still there and active for those who he is actively trying to get us back to the Garden of Eden. So what does expectation mean? We kind of started out that way. Expectation divine or defined is a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. So there's an expectation when you see the headlines rise up that you can react in an uncommon way. We don't have to live off of panic. There was a guy who asked me a couple weeks ago, hey, what are you going to do about this Friday? And I'm like, what's going to happen this Friday? I'm going to Red River. He goes, no, what are you going to do about Friday? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, the railroads are going to shut down. There's going to be a strike. You've got to get your family prepared. There's going to be no bread on the table. I don't know anything about that, but let me go look. And so I go and look, and sure enough, they're all fussing and fighting. Friday came. I was just fine. That's how they react. People of the flesh react in this panic, and it gets us into trouble. It really does. Because in a moment's notice, all of a sudden, we're picking up apples that we shouldn't have eaten because it just gets handed to us. And so just be careful in the coming days of what apple they try to hand you. Go back and research it a little bit. But trust above all that God's going to get you through it no matter what you see. There's a revival coming to this country. 
We can see it in the headlines. You can look at it and you say, well, it looks dark. I don't see how you can get any good out of this. Man, since the dawn of time, has tried to set him up as Lord and God. We tried to build a giant tower to get to heaven, and we were going to be like gods. Satan said, I will become like the man most high. Take this drug, have fun, do this thing. You're going to be wonderful at it, and you're going to make lots of money, and people are going to worship you. We constantly try to build up this atmosphere that we can be more than God. And God's going to tell us you can't. You just can't get that way. Come to my kingdom. And that's another thing. We keep talking about, there's people out there talking about kingdom theology. There's already a kingdom established. I don't need my own kingdom. I just got to walk into his kingdom. And I'm safe and sound in there. You do whatever you want to because this is all going to fade away someday. But I'm going to be firmly established with the God most high. And it, so in that place, we, we, we get to pick up this uncommon thing. And they were talking about that. What's that word, Brandon? A rizo, a rizo. There you go. So it's a Greek word for just living uncommon. God is looking for uncommon people. You'll notice in one of those videos, he was blowing a trumpet like they used to blow, uh, blow in the uh, Hebrew of old, the now holidays. We're coming up on a new holiday. Today is Rosh Hashanah. And not that we celebrate and get on like the uh, Jews do, but it's the start of the Jewish New Year. And I tend to believe that God's calendar is a little different than ours, probably even different than theirs. But it's important to notice that we are walking in a new spiritual season. I mean, you can tell that just by the season changing. All of a sudden, it's a lot cooler in the morning than it used to be, and the sun's going down a little earlier. So there's a seasonal change coming up. It doesn't take much of us to realize that. But realize there's also a new spiritual season waking up. The harvest is coming in, and people are going to know what to do with it. And because you've lived an uncommon life, you're going to know what to do with it. When they come to this church looking for answers, you're going to be able to give them son. It doesn't have to be Les Montgomery on this stage. It can be Jake. He does a great job. It could be Brandon. It could be whoever comes in from the east. I don't know. I know that this church as a body is a body full of shepherds that's going to be able to provide for all those around us. We're going to be able to walk into places and say, this is how we do things. Not as a point of pride, but just as a point as I know who my God is. And I know what he promises. And I know what's inside of me to let that loose. And if you don't, I'd like to call the worship team up. If you don't, we'd be glad to help you out because that's what we do. Just like Brittany mentioned earlier, I wasn't going to talk about this, but we'll breach on it. My brother passed away a few months, uh, about a month ago now, and we finally had his funeral. And so my brother was locked in a battle with a substance he couldn't beat. He just couldn't. And no matter what life I said, it, it troubled me all the way up to Red River. What did I do wrong? I'm a man who knows the Bible. I'm a man who knows God. I spoke prayers over him. I spoke life to him. And it just made him matter. And, and so that, 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 that thing finally won. And so I went up to Red River and I had to lay that down, God. And that's, and that's what I got out of the sermon was, I, I'm too busy trying to build my own garden. I got to walk in God's garden. He had the choice too to walk in God's garden. And he set that down and it hurt me. But part of his deal was he was so busy being somebody else's shield. He wanted to shield people from the evil of this world. He wanted to shield people from, from all the terrors and the bad things that he constantly saw. And his shield got thin because he wasn't going to the right place to get it polished. He, he wasn't going to the right source to get it polished. And for me, looking on the outside, it hurt because I was trying to polish his shield, but he took it away from me. And my brother tried to polish his shield. My dad came last week, and it was good to see him because life has to happen. 
after, after that. We have to go on from that. And what lesson do I take from it? And what can I do better? Sometimes there's nothing I could have done better. It's just, this is what happened, and now we go forth. But I come forth from that knowing that i got to do a better job of polishing people's shields. i got to go forth knowing that, that there's people around me that need garden tending. That this is what God put before me. And sometimes they may go off and pull up an apple and eat it. But I also have the Word of God, hopefully, in here to tell them why they shouldn't eat it. And so I just encourage you this week to pick up the Word of God, see what's in it. We often use it as an excuse, well, I can't read it, or, you know, I don't understand what's going on, or get you a version you can read. It's funny, all these arguments you see on Facebook about the King James Version. The King James Version is just another language. That's the language they spoke back in that time. If you got a Bible that's maybe teaching you something funny, then let's talk about it. But there's nothing that will ever replace the Word of God. His light will shine through in the darkness, wherever you're at. And we just got to know a little bit. Because that little bit would have kept us from getting kicked out in the wilderness, and we'd still be in the garden. If you don't know that Lord and Savior, we're always willing to pray for you. And I thank you for being here. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.